Um, we will be, for the most part on the show, I promise you we're going to be an April Fool's joke free show. Unless, of course, somebody pulls one on us. But I, uh, uh, I'm not my, not my thing. The only time I ever attempted it, I just told Jeff about it. Um, I almost had John McCain come on the air and say that he was going to run for president again. But he didn't want to do what it was going to do to his staff if he made that announcement. So that was it. That was the closest I've come to, to an April Fool's joke. Uh, we are going to start with the economy. We've got some great guests this morning. We are going to speak with Annie Foster, who is running for the uh, Maricopa County Attorney's Office. So she is qualified for the ballot. She will join us at 9.05. At 9.35, the uh, Attorney General, Mark Burnovich, will join us. A lot of big things happening in Arizona. The state of Arizona has joined a lawsuit that will... Um, that's challenging the mask mandates on airplanes, and we're one of 21 states in the lawsuit. Also, the Department of Justice has written a letter to the state of Arizona, to the Attorney General's office, regarding the transgender law that was passed here. And so uh, we're going to talk about that possible court battle coming up between uh, the state of Arizona, the Attorney General's office, and uh, the DOJ. So all that's coming up in the next hour of the show. We start this morning with where everybody's at still, what's happening in our economy. Um, the uh, More than 25% Assumers cannot uh, afford their buy now, pay later payments. So I guess it's like it's layaway. Amid the increase now, buy now, pay later, new survey shows that people aren't able to pay for their goods. Um, it's a financing method that allows consumers to split their purchases into smaller, more manageable, interest free payments. Well known companies, including uh, Afterpay, Affirm, Sezzle, Klarna. According to the reports, about 25% of the people can't afford the payments. We are starting to see, as I've talked about with the economy, we are starting to see a little. This is where the people at the lower end of the economic spectrum start falling off the cliff. These are things outside of families' control. Families do a lot of different things to be creative with their budget. We know that this happens. If you've been in that situation, it's a, it was a miracle to me that my mother was able to make ends meet. The older I got, when I realized taking care of myself wasn't easy, how she did it by herself with three teenage boys. At one time, we were all teenagers at the same time, and... Um, we uh, we somehow made it through, but I don't I really don't know how. And if this had happened to my mom, that we, we were this was in the early 80s. If this had been the 70s, if this had been the 1980, 81, 82 in that area when it was going on with this increase in inflation going up as much as it was, who knows what would have happened to our family. But we are seeing working families. These are people that have paid their bills and work hard. They just don't make a lot of money. And they're watching their budget stretch so thin because what do you give up? You have to have gas to get to work. You have to have food to feed your family. And when both are going up so quickly, how do you choose which one you cut on? You can't. You can't. So what's happening? You know, we know the jobs numbers have been very good. I want you to hear a report on the March jobs numbers. Payrolls expended by 431,000 last month. It is slightly below expectations, but the 11th straight month of job growth above 400,000. January and February numbers were revised to show more jobs were created than first thought. This is the country's strongest job growth stretch since the 1930s, despite inflation, supply bottlenecks, and the war in Ukraine. The unemployment rate declined to 3.6%. The number of Americans who are back looking for work is nearly where it was before the pandemic. A quarter of all the new jobs came from restaurants and bars that are taking 
taking advantage of disappearing coronavirus restrictions, though employment in leisure and hospitality is still down nearly 9% from before the pandemic. There were also notable gains in the professional and business services, retail trade, and manufacturing sectors. And when you look at all of this, what what we're seeing is there are still a lot of jobs out there that have gone unfilled. There are still employers that are saying, hey, listen, we're short-staffed. Be nice to the people that have shown up. I, I talk about going to restaurants around town. I'm a, you know, I bounce around to some of the, to the same places. But when you go to some of the places here in town, the staff, they're great people. If you get to know the people that work there, when you go someplace often, they're very good people. And the frustration is they are doing the best they can. And they understand a customer comes into a restaurant or, you know, a bar and you want good service. And, we, you know, I have an expectation of good service, too. I don't like bad service. But there is a difference between bad service and an overworked staff. And so when the staff gets frustrated because customers are getting frustrated, well, what's the answer to this problem? What's interesting about this States, Iowa, West Virginia, Kentucky, exploring a reduction in unemployment aid to push people back into the workforce. And I think this is a great case study in human behavior. Um, when you make people reliant on um, on the government dole, they become reliant, but they also become stuck. You know, it, 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 a program is supposed to move someone to the next level. It's supposed to be a bridge when something dramatic happens in your family. It's supposed to keep your head above water until you can get back on track. It's not meant to be years and years or months and months of something. And when people were making more money during the uh, pandemic, especially in the service industry, there were people because of what the way the rules were set up that weren't going back to work, they were making more money sitting at home. So you take someone, let's use the service industry. You use a bartender, for example. Um, a bartender wants a full bar, and they're also counting on you know tip sharing from the waiters and waitresses because they're also making drinks for the restaurant as well, but specifically at the bar. You want a crowded bar, and you want walk-up business. You want somebody squeezing in, buying a drink. The more people, the more drinks they buy, the more tips you make. And then the bar makes a lot of money as well. Well, when you have rules in place with dividers and six feet, apart and you know no walk-up business and you can't leave your chair it diminishes your ability to make money as a business owner and as an employee well you mix that with the ability for someone to sit on the dole because the money was so good and there was a time when it was necessary but as soon as it became unnecessary it needs to go away Here's the other side of this. I want you to hear an L.A. report. This is from ABC 7 in L.A. and what L.A. is doing. A long line of people this morning waiting to sign up for the county's universal income program. Do you have, do you have any this is the first day it started accepting applications. Maria Tagolo is hoping she gets selected. I think this money will help me to get us back in our feet. Under the test program, the county will give 1,000 randomly selected residents $1,000 a month for three years. People have to be at least 18 years old and household income below 56000 for a single person or 96000 for a family of four. They also have to be affected by COVID-19. Guaranteed income is but one but yet powerful tool that we can use to help combat poverty and create an equitable recovery. The money will be distributed through debit cards and there won't be any restrictions. People can spend it any way they want. So now you've got other places are saying we have to get people back to work. 
You've got L.A. County saying we are going to put people for three years getting a thousand dollars a month with guaranteed income. This is this is where education matters, because we've got people that are failing in the system as it is right now. They are falling through the cracks. So a thousand dollars a month sounds like a life preserver from the government. But what does that say long term guaranteed income? And I'm going to jump all the way to the other end of this spectrum because we are definitely heading in this direction with these kinds of plans. When the government says it's going to take care of you, I, I immediately think about my friends from Cuba. I, I immediately think about all the stories I heard up growing. I heard growing up from Cuban immigrants about when Castro came into power, how communism was fair and communism was going to make sure everybody eats and communism was going to make sure everybody shares and everybody's head stays above water. Everybody gets a place to live. You have running water. You have electricity. You have everything you need to live. We're all going to share and share alike. And what it came into was abject poverty. And it's because the government runs everything. So in Cuba, yes, electricity. But you don't have – you're not allowed to have microwave ovens. You're not allowed to have hair dryers. At least they weren't for a very long time. Why? Because they didn't want to beef up the electrical grid because you were getting your power. And they didn't want you using too much of it. If you use too much power, they'd shut your power off. Power went off at night. Families would gather in the streets. They would gather outside their homes because the power would go off at night. You got running water every other day, depending on what side of the street you lived on. So nobody used their bathtubs. They would keep them clean because at the end of your day with running water, you filled your bathtub up all the way to the top. And that water was used for cooking and cleaning, uh, washing yourself, everything else. They used a floor drain and buckets to shower. Because they only had running water every other day. So as good as it sounds that you're going to be cared for, this is the road it leads to. And it's not just Cuba. You look anywhere else in the world and you see that you tell me that there's not a disparity. Go look at the communist country of Russia. And it's supposed to be fair because it's a communist country. You've got the oligarchs that are billionaires that run everything. And you've got poor people in the streets. So I don't understand how how we are going to go down the road of the public dole. A thousand dollars a month for three years to a thousand families. That is crazy and what this is going to cause. So we're going to talk more about this this morning. I think it is it's an important topic that we should stay on and we will. But coming up in a moment, we give you an update on Ukraine. How is Arizona playing a role in Ukraine? I'll give you details coming up in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band Journey making their way to the Gila River Arena April 9th for their Freedom Tour. You can over to, go over to the contest page at KTAR.com for your chance to win tickets and for complete details about the concert. Uh, breaking news out there right now being reported that Jen Psaki is leaving the White House and is going to go to work for MSNBC. I'm shocked. I have to tell you, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. How she didn't end up at Fox News, I'll never know. Um, but we'll find out how we'll be hearing more about that as the morning goes on, I'm sure. Uh, Arizona is sending surplus military equipment to Ukraine. So we have surplus military equipment here in the state of Arizona. 17 pallets of equipment will be transported to Ukraine by two by the Ukrainian Relief Group and is expected to be delivered in the next two weeks. So there is an Arizona element to what's happening. We know about the... Uh, 
the company here, Ammo Inc. in Scottsdale, that sent a million rounds, donated a million rounds of ammunition. So we know that the people of Arizona are joining with a lot of others in um, supporting Ukraine in the effort to fight back against the Russians. What direction is this all heading? Um, Russian forces, it's being reported, Russian forces are attacking grain storage facilities in Ukraine. So this, to me, is an attack on the world, not just on Ukraine. And I'm not calling for U.S. involvement now or NATO involvement in the battle. But when you are destroying the food supply, we already have been told that there is going to be a reduction in wheat. And we don't know exactly how much, but they say that what uh, th- that a third of the world's crop of wheat comes from Russia and Ukraine. And if like 15 percent of the calories consumed by people come from wheat, this could be a big hit. It could also add to the already skyrocketing inflation. And if the Russians are targeting the food supply, that is a big issue. And I think it's a big issue for the rest of the world. It is it is one of the things that people have to watch is to see what direction they're, you know, they're taking a lot of times supply chains or supply convoys are attacked so that you can't replenish supplies of troops trying to cut off troops. And it's a way to get people to give up. They run out of ammunition. They run out of food and water. But when you start attacking the food supply and it looks like it might be for the entire world, the world has got to watch this and, and see how it's going to respond. Uh, There are two reports that have to do with our military. More U.S. troops will be needed in Europe, according to a top general, that with what's going on there now, that this is not going to be a short-term fix, that it's going to require more U.S. troops on European bases. But the military in the U.S., is having trouble recruiting new new troops. So the uh, military recruiting is increasingly AWOL. Can we fix it? According to a story, it is becoming more and more difficult to recruit people into the military. And, um, I, you know, I think that obviously the federal government's job is national defense. First and foremost, national defense. It's also border security. It's also infrastructure. In that order, those are, in my opinion, and I would say that most people would agree the Constitution says those – That's the job of the federal government. First and foremost, you have to fulfill your obligations. It's one of the things that's most frustrating to me with any government entity is you get to be a mile wide and an inch deep. The federal government's first priority is national defense, national defense. And if we are not able to fight and do what's necessary, peace through strength was a principle and a phrase that Ronald Reagan made famous. And it absolutely is the way to peace is peace through strength. And we've did this for so long. But if we ignore the military and what's going on around the world and our ability to fight, you don't even have to fight. Sometimes people just have to know you're able and willing and and that is the difference between weakness and strength is your ability. No one is saying that we should tell the world what to do because we're the strongest, but we won't be told what to do. When you look at we we've talked quite a bit about um having national security through energy independence. It's because then we are not beholden to the world for anything. Our economy is strong, the world needs our economy, but we also need the ability to stand by ourselves at times and say we are not going to stand for this. We We are not in a position to do that now. We've had multiple nations tell us they're not going to up production and we're beholden to them. And we weren't a couple of years ago. 
And it's something for all of us to keep in mind. So this uh, it's interesting, this what's happened in Ukraine. And I, I like the fact that Arizona plays a bit of a role in this and that we are going to be sending um, we are going to be sending uh, equipment over there. It should arrive within the next couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Coming up in a moment, Gatos is going to join me. We do the big Q poll question today every morning at this time. And then just after nine o'clock, candidate for the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, Annie Foster, joins us. We're going to talk to her about the campaign, about all the Republicans that are in the race and how important this race is to the people of Maricopa County and what qualifies her for this office. All that's coming up here in just a few moments. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, happy Friday, Gatos. Oh, it's a sad day. It is? This is the last Q ever on your show. The contract has ended. Oh, is this an April Fool's joke? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, we just we just reported, and it's being reported widely now, that... Um, that uh, Jen Psaki is leaving the White House and is going to MSNBC. But I, I, keep, I, I just said, yeah, but that might be an April Fool's joke. So I don't want to believe anything today. I want to believe I don't want to believe anything today. I thought she was leaving. Well, we and she said a while ago she wasn't. But that's always a sign that you are. So could th- today be the day that they get everybody <laughs> to bite on it and we report it and uh, then they say April Fool's. I mean, it's uh, not funny, but yeah. it's, you know, I couldn't even get you on a funny uh, uh, little thing of a big Q. And, and by the way, uh, your show would go right down the tubes without me i mean let's be honest let's be honest people look forward to this at 8 50 i'm just saying oh that's hilarious i'm just saying i do i all i know is i don't know why you make me laugh so much but you genuinely awesome you you make me laugh every time you're on this somebody needs to make you laugh for crying out loud once in a while yeah and i'm here the entertainment has arrived well if it's not you it's the vice president giving offhanded comments because those always make me laugh oh she didn't do it again she she? did she was talking with the leader of jamaica and how we're going to help Jamaica financially, and it is um, it's it's hilarious. And so, right, let me ask you this: because right. Chad and I talked about this, all right? Because um, I, she's, she's she's incredibly bad on the con camera. There's no doubt about it. How do I say this? I don't know. She's not stupid, though. No, she's not. She's not, not a at stupid all. person. See, that's the thing. Chad and I were talking about it because she comes off uh, so, I, I don't know the word. I don't want to insult her. She's just, she's bad at her job. But, I mean, I'm just saying she's the most she's the most unpopular vice president of our lifetime. When she if speaks, you look at the polls. When, she's, when she falls into these word salad moments, she yep. sounds to me like the kid in school because this was me. <laughs> when you have a book report due, but you haven't read the book. Yeah. So you kind of read the back cover and then you right. just jump up and just start talking to hopefully get through whatever time you have to get through. But so you don't fun. know. So she seems to me. I don't think she's stupid at all. At all. Yeah. I, don't I think just think to that I, point. I think it, she's in overhead. I think she's uninformed. And I don't know if that's the staff around her. I don't know what the cause of it is. But she doesn't seem prepared yeah. when she goes into a situation. I'll give you my analogy that I used. I uh, I I had some report due. And um, I don't remember what grade it was. It was it, and so so you get in into class. I don't. I didn't do it. And everybody had to go in front of the class and read their report. Right. So I was called first. Oh. So what did I do? Instead of saying, "Hey, I didn't do it," I took a, I, I took my notebook, had a piece of paper. I went up there and I just started to talk. I'm, I, mm-hmm. There's a blank piece of paper in front of me, and I'm trying to convince people that I'm reading my report. How do you think that went? About not like, good. Yeah. About like those speeches go. 
Yeah, because comments. that's what she. That's what the teacher said. She goes, "You obviously didn't write this." I mean, it was so obvious, and that's what happens when, <laughs> it, and it was so it was ridiculous. I mean, and, but that's what happens when the vice president goes up there in front of the audience, and she just looks ridiculous. Yeah. He, well, if he's going to run for reelection, he's got to pull her. Well, I don't know. He's got to pull her. We'll see. Because he 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 because he doesn't have much of a chance right now. He bet he has to pull her and replace her with who? I don't know. I don't know, dude. Me either. All right, what do you got for the queue? Uh, Biden announced the uh, U.S. would release up to 180 million barrels of oil. It hopes to lower gas prices. Is this a good move? Yes or no? I think short term it's going to help some, but I think long term, I was just reading a report that says um, that there are experts that are saying that what this has made happen is now the 2023 projection for the price of oil has jumped to $115 a barrel because this oil is going to have to be replaced in the strategic reserve. So it's going to drive up demand after we get done. Yeah, I, I my my one take on this is that the people who are complaining about this are complaining that high gas prices are complaining that high ga- that gas prices are high, and they're complaining that the president hasn't done anything, and they want him to do something. So he finally does something, and then people don't like it. And I'm just like, all right, you want your gas prices to go down? Because I do. Uh, so I'm for this move. I'm I'm willing to give this a, a, a chance. But you know everybody's like he's not doing anything at gas prices. Then he finally does something, and then people don't like it. And I'm like, how's the guy supposed to win? So I don't know. Well, and that's uh, and that's where we'll see in the long term. Most of right. the experts are saying long term this is not a solution. What is the long-term solution? And that's what people want. But you're right. There needs to be a short-term solution now because people are getting crushed by this. Oh, yeah. Thanks, are. Gatos, as always. Have a good weekend. All right, man. Have a good weekend. All right. That's Gatos, the Big Q poll question of the day, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up just after 9 o'clock, Annie Foster joins us. She is the general counsel for the governor's office, but she is also a candidate and now a qualified candidate. She got on the ballot to be Maricopa County's next Maricopa County attorney. So we'll talk with her coming up in a few moments. 